0: Aaron Meyer, and this is the 19.9 podcast. Tonight, we have Dave Hartley. He's the bass player in the War on Drugs, one of the most popular and well-received bands of this generation. They have a Grammy and are about to embark on a world tour. Dave's also hoops junkie, who can be found on the sidelines of Sixers games and playing pickup hoops with his bandmates.
1: We got asked to ring the bell before a Sixers game. Pre-game thing for the Sixers is like this really dramatic thing. It's and really they roll cool. out this like Liberty Bell. I was there when like Meek Mill <laughs> rang the bell. He had just gotten straight out of jail and came straight to the game. He didn't go home. He just got he out, out of prison and just came straight to the game. And then he rang the bell. <laughs> oh, and
0: then he just... We also take some time to talk to Dave about how he spent his adult life as a professional musician. <laughs> releasing records as a solo artist under the moniker Nightlands and as the bass player for one of the biggest bands on the planet.
1: I think it might have been John Oates from Holland Oates <laughs> once said that he's like, he was like, I'm simultaneously the most underrated and overrated musician.
0: It's time to start the show. Let's get right into it. I've got Dave Hartley on the 19.9 podcast. Dave, thanks so much for talking to me tonight. Pleasure to be here. I want to start out just uh, talking about basketball origin story. So did you play growing up, or who were your favorite teams? How'd you get into basketball?
1: I loved basketball as a kid. I was one of those kids who was super tall early, and so I kind of got pushed I, it, but the, for me, like being tall was like a little bit traumatic. Like I was definitely the kid who was like, hey, come on, big man. Well, come on. You got to get that. Your pivot come foot. On. Your come pivot, on. Your pivot foot. Yeah, oh, you you, come on. you know, like I was, <laughs> I was definitely like the guy who like was really tall and I wanted to be coordinated, but, but uh, I wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, but I had, so I had like a real sort of like angsty relationship with hoops. I definitely <laughs> loved it big time. And I mean, you know, as a fan, I remember I got into it like I kind of eased my way in with like the Magic Bird era, cuz okay. old. And I remember my dad, I have vivid memories of my dad watching like you know, uh, the Celtics and the Lakers and stuff in the 80s. And then you know, then the Jordan era was like the the great education mm-hmm. for me, you know. And we're also lucky those of us who grew up with Jordan. I mean, it was just such a great era. So it really, you know, that really ushered me into like the passion of it. The Dream Team was like my Beatles on its oh Sullivan gosh. moment. Yeah. No um, did you have, did you have
0: i gotta break in did you have the uh like the the stickers to stick on your wall or anything so i had uh jordan and mullen they came in this was like pre like big head uh yep. stickers but i had them on my ceiling jordan <laughs> jordan chris mullen oh
1: yeah i had so much dream team swag i yeah. had the dream team cups yes. for burger king oh, yes. i had like 40 of those things. i think i gained 10 pounds 20 <laughs> pounds eating like whoppers just to get oh, the stupid God.
0: cups diabetic. i actually have
1: some I actually have some sweet dream team swag in, uh, back in the back there, but that was definitely my like nice. Beatles Ed Sullivan moment. Um, and then I stuck with it. I mean, even through the early two thousands where the NBA was like in a dark place. Mm. I don't think I realized that at the time, <laughs> you know, now looking back, you're yeah. like, that was kind of a bleak 10 years yeah. where like at post Jordan, basically like yeah. a real hangover. Um, and I love it now. You know, I think, I think the league's in a really great, Place with the talent and the scoring and positional varieties, I think, really mm. important. I you know, that. I think, I mean, I think anytime you have a, like the league to me is at the bet at its best when a guy like Steph Curry could win the MVP or mm. a guy like Joel Embiid could win the MVP, mm. like two ro- like wildly different human specimens, yeah. you know,
0: <laughs> like that don't seem like just, they're from the same planet
1: no like if you were bumped into those two guys in in the airport then you wouldn't think they played the same sport if you didn't know anything <laughs> um right. so to me that's the, the beautiful thing about the game is that it can it like invites all these different you know body types and stuff and, mm. and skill sets and and stuff like that so um yeah i love the i love the game now i you know i'm a yeah get a huge fan.
0: getting into that so who who do you follow in that the nBA what's your what's your nBA team or or a, a player of choice maybe some people just follow players these days
1: yeah you know that's funny I did that for a while I mean the sixers are definitely my team um i lived I don't live in philly anymore I live in North Carolina and Asheville but I lived in Philly for you know seventeen years and mm it has such a strong identity. It's such a strong sports culture. It's not all about, you know, snowballs at Santa Claus. There's, (laughs) there's, you know, although some of it is like that. (laughs)
0: We'll (laughs) get into into Ben Simmons here in a minute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, it's, I just like, I love Philly. I think it's the best city. And um, I went to a million Sixers games and actually the process era was so fun that's kind of the irony of the pro of the process is that is that like they tore the team down and you know they tore tore the team down to such a degree that the league had to step in basically Mm -hmm. and be like you can't really do this you have to like be more competitive and they installed the coangelos colangelos etc but um the irony of that whole thing is that like the process really like galvanized the the fan base Mm -hmm. because people Like the, you know, the thing that's fun is like absolutely no expectations for your team. Like zero expectations. That is, so then when you, so like we used to go to games and like, you know, if you won, you just, mind would be blown because you were just like, there's no chance we're going to win. And I remember going and we beat like. You know, we had like a really good win, and everybody was like, you know, you would have thought it was fucking Mardi Gras the way people are partying. <laughs> or if you get if you lose by forty, yeah, you yeah. you know, you're there for the t shirt cannons and the nachos, and it's really right. fun. And then all of a sudden, you start to exceed expectations, and that's the pinnacle of sports fandom is when your team starts exceeding expectations a little bit. <laughs> when you get heavy expectations and you start like underachieving, that's like a that's like a sad. There's some depression in there. So. Um, yeah, like so that. like the process really really sucked me in. I loved it. I loved cheap tickets, um, all the <laughs> random players, yeah. the whole nerdiness of like Sam Hinkie and all that. Um, I was a huge fan. So, but I, I mean, can, I grew I up bu- a, a Bullets fan, but but now that I'm definitely like a Sixers. For,
0: Wait, which for, for which life. Bullets teams then were you following? Like what what era is that? <laughs> Um, You know, like
1: Gugliotta, George okay. Sand, Chris oh, Weber, John Howard, Calvert Mirosan. Chaney.
0: Mirosan's a great, uh, great player for a kid to like, just like, a, again, oh. almost like a cartoon character.
1: Totally. In fact, my first, I should have led with this, but my first real, like, hoops memory live was my dad took me to see Bulls Bullets. Nice. And we drove and, like, just to see Jordan. He was like, you got to okay. see this guy. He's the best to ever do it. I mean, this was, like, 80s um so like hyper athletic jordan mm-hmm. and i was like probably eight or something and all i cared about was manute bowl <laughs> i was just like holy shit, that's not a, look at that guy he's like 12 feet tall he weighs yes. as much as me you know i was like completely obsessed with manute bowl yeah. you're right like as a kid you just can't believe there are people out there like that and again going back to like body you know like the diversity of of athleticism in the nba which i think is so cool so but yeah i love those bullets teams but then i became more sixers as i lived in philly you know for a longer time
0: so well i love what you said you know you can see that a little bit even with the rockets right now they had won like one game and now they've got like a four or five game winning streak and people are like wow the rockets are hot like they're still the yeah, worst no. team in the league but it's all of a sudden it's like they've won a few in a row holy cow
1: <laughs> yeah and and like you know now i think fans are so smart now like people know that they're just like stockpiling assets and draft picks and <laughs> yes shit. like yeah. i don't think that really had as much weight back in the day mm, but nowadays it's just like fans are aware of that stuff now yeah they're just like cool get assets and then if you win some games they're just like holy shit i can't believe it we didn't expect to win anything so yeah. um yeah i think they like there's like a, f- a friend of mine recently like ranked the different types of like sports misery uh-huh. and the worst misery is like very high expectations. And then you don't meet oh, them, man. Well, that's the worst. So it's much worse than being,
0: so you've been both right. Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> yes. in the process. And now it's like Philadelphia 76ers, all the expectations and assets yep. and like, what do we, what do we do? Yep.
1: Exactly. We went from like elation, like hey, we're supposed to suck, and all of a sudden we're like a contender, and then we, we immediately just got crushed by like the weight of expectations. So yeah, uh, but yeah, but I, I love the Sixers. Even even just the, I mean, you know how much weird shit has happened to us in the past five years is like out of control. Unbelievable.
0: With the like yeah. you said, the Calangelos who got installed. Because of the mm-hmm. process, then also got ripped away because of a weird Twitter thing, and
1: yeah, the Twitter—I mean, the Markel fault thing alone oh is like a gosh. documentary. Crazy. Uh, I mean, Embiid. People forget that Embiid literally sat out his first two seasons. Yeah, like didn't play a single game until his third season. I mean, Ben Simmons sat out his first season. I mean, there's so much weird shit. This whole Ben Simmons thing, you know?
0: Yeah, let's go. Let's go there. We have Ben. Ben. Ben Simmons. We could just go on that. Ben Simmons, go. What, what's your? What, do, I what mean, do you do right now?
1: It's so crazy. He's not playing. It's yeah. so wild that he's literally just sitting out kind of for no reason. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a huge reason that he doesn't want to be there. Right. And I think this is probably the biggest, it's certainly the biggest case of the Yips in the NBA history that I know of, anyway. Yeah. Uh, maybe as an NBA historian, a basketball historian, you'd correct me on that.
0: Man, I, um, I think so. I mean, to have that one, it's, I mean, it's, it's compounded right by the fact that he had it. And then it's almost like his coach and the the other best player on the team, like turned it into granite, right. By going, going post-conference and being like, yeah, that's what you did. You know, like it's one thing where you have it hanging out there and you're kind of like, Oh yeah, you can kind of, the media is saying it, but now it's like, well, you guys in my teammate or my coach thinks that it's just a different, different level maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, although I've heard people say like, "Oh, they threw him under the bus." Like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, I'm I'm definitely team Embiid on that. Like, yeah, Ben, just you know, it's tough. Obviously, we're talking about like a level of mental. Mm. Uh, it, we're talking about like a pathology right. where he wouldn't shoot. I, you know, you have yeah. guys that like go cold, like Nick Anderson. Yeah, you know, th- that's like that's like the the second biggest case of the Yips I can think of where he bricks forth free throws. And the Rockets win the title. And the next season, his free throw percentage like thirty percent drops something by like crazy. 30% or something. Yeah. So he obviously got like way in his head about that. But it wasn't like he – it's not like he would get to the free throw line and like not shoot. Right. He just was missing. Like Ben will not shoot. There's like no inc- – <laughs> like someone could be like, hey, we'll give you you know a million dollars every time you attempt a three-pointer. He'd just be like, I'm good. Like yeah. I'll just pass. <laughs> like he just will not shoot. And – uh, that's a bizarre thing. And I'm sure his teammates like can only swallow that for so long Yeah. before they're just like, fucking shoot the ball, dude, just please shoot it. You know, yeah, what, like what would be the
0: what would be the band equivalent of that? I don't even know. It's just, it's just, uh, it's crazy to even think about like real life equivalents to like, what, what would it be? Like yeah. it was a dunk that he passed up and then to yeah, just, and then to like, to, to follow it up with like, no, I'm, I'm, I got to get out of here. Like, I don't know what, a difference, how a different situation, I guess, changes it for him. I mean, I guess, you know, you got different teammates, but it doesn't really change what you have to do. You know, that's the, that's the weird thing about it. Like you're still gonna have the same job when you go to the different team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the band metaphor would maybe be like, you've got a big solo at the end of (laughs) of the set and you just like, don't play I guess <laughs> you know you're just like eh, just the and drum, just, like, just the drums
0: there. or just the drums and the yeah bass, yeah you know?
1: exactly I mean that and then the show yeah <laughs> something like that but yeah I mean you know like the, clearly he needs to like go up out into the desert and do like ayahuasca or something mm. and like find his you know you know find whatever deep uh dark thing was within in him and exercise that out but you know he just doesn't by all accounts, doesn't seem like a guy who's has any contrition and wants to like face up to that he kind of just wants to posture as like oh no, I know nothing's wrong with me you know something's wrong with the team or there's something wrong with this situation you know but so it was a bummer I, I kind of want him gone I was like an apologist for a long time yeah because he is really like he's God good. man when he, when he was yeah. on fire like if you watch the right game yeah with ben, you're just like this dude is one of the ten best players in the league because he's just like do- so dominant on defense you know he's about as athletic as anybody in the league for sure certainly certainly end to end like speed mm-hmm. um his passing vision is ridiculous, but um and I've used this metaphor before with some friends, but like it's like if you have a car that like won't you have like this really fast car but it like can't go in reverse or something mm-hmm. Like, so you have like a new brand new Tesla, but like, there's no reverse function. And you're like, this car is incredible. Like it's fast as hell. Great. You know, like don't need gas, incredibly efficient. Oh, if you need to back up, you have to like get it towed Sorry. or like, you yeah. just can't, you, you got to push go it simple.
0: out. You got to push it, put it neutral and push it yeah, out. Put yeah. it
1: neutral yeah. and push yeah. it. It's like <laughs> such a deficiency of mm-hmm. such a basic function. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can have the best passing vision in the world, mm. but like, passing in a vacuum doesn't work like passing needs to be coupled like you have to have like gravity to pull guys towards you to then pass Mm -hmm. if you're just going to stand you know what i mean like passing needs to be coupled with some other skill like some other scoring threat Mm -hmm. like you have to be an incredible driver like driving dish or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but if you but he's not much of a driver like he likes to drive into the paint and then like pat turn around and pass the, the ball yeah to the perimeter, Seth the Curry perimeter. loves them. <laughs> Seth Curry loves him. Yeah. and but yeah, I'm not. So I think his passing is like his vision is crazy, but like he can't really. He it's his vision doesn't really work very well because he can't fucking draw the defense. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, there's two things. Thi-
0: there's two things there, right? There is the. Uh, that's what you love about basketball, right? Is that it exposes everything. Like mm-hmm. there are other sports that you can just do one thing really well. And that's, that's it, you know, but basketball, mm-hmm. you ha- you have to do everything or what? It, and even if you can't, whatever you can't do will be exposed like Seth Curry yep. on defense for, for instance, like yep. Yep. it will, it will find your weakness and, and highlight that, that one thing. And it's just, I think the the frustrating thing about him is that he has the physical tools to do everything even even at some basic level and and it and for whatever reason it's like you said that that mental hurdle well what what do you do what do you do with him then do you trade him like and if you do what do you what do you want as a philly fan who are who are you willing to give up are you willing to give up maxi to and and trade him off to somebody Uh, or what would you do ideal world
1: uh, ideal world you don't get rid of maxi unless you're getting like a really incredible incredible player back um like somebody who's probably not available so um you know what i mean like if (laughs) you're getting james harden if james harden were available is he is he he available maybe yeah yeah probably not but but like last season you know hypothetically we were in talks Man, they should they should have got him yeah to acquire him and in that case it's like yeah it's james harden he's like one of the best probably five guys in the league yeah you gotta you know i love maxi a lot i'm i'm higher on maxi than most people um just because he's like, so he doesn't turn the ball over, which mm-hmm. I think is ra- so fucking rare with like a young guard. Um, and he's got this floater. I think the floater is really an underrated <laughs> shot. Yeah,
0: um, he's good. But, uh, he's better than he's, he's better than I thought he was too. I, yeah. I I would have you know, as a non-Philly fan last year, I'd have been like, yeah, whatever you need to do, get rid of Maxi. It's fine. Yeah. but he he's good.
1: Yeah, no, he's good. He's on a rookie contract. You need we have like, I mean, we're paying Tobias Harris like. <sighs> over 40 million dollars a year crazy, so that's crazy. which is fucking nuts <laughs> crazy and so dumb and yeah. we all knew it was dumb at the time yeah and so in order to, to like subsist as a team we need to have guys who are like wildly underpaid we have yeah. seth curry he's wildly underpaid so we need other guys like maxi he's just underpaid. he's on a rookie deal so yeah. we need we need a few of those dudes we can't have everybody at max you know we can't we can't have like damian lillard and joel and b <laughs> it's like you can't have guys all making 30 to 40 million yeah so um is that who anyway i don't though? know like,
0: damian lillard I, you said I, it uh,
1: uh i hate being like a i guess this is like my weakness i just tend to like expect him i'm like expecting him to really drop off and he's got this he was really i don't know if you watch the olympics yeah this I he did. was I bad, to watch like it. really bad i know and i know he was like injured but I, I watched the Olympics. He was terrible. I've watched him this season. He's been terrible. Yeah. I know he's got an abdominal thing, mm-hmm. but he's also like thirty-one, thirty-two. I know he's right
0: in that. He's right in that window where, gosh, uh, I would
1: be. And s- he's so small. I know. So like the like when you're a little guy like that, and you start to fade, it can sometimes it can be like a, a hard precipitous like fall, where all of a sudden you go from like Damian Lillard, probably for sure a top ten guy, right, or top twelve. I know. And then, like, if he, if he loses a little bit, he could all of a sudden be, like, top 100 guy, Man. you know, especially because he's, like, on defense, so he's just not a good defender, and he's not really a – I mean, he can create, but he's not, like, a prototypical creator. He's a guy who needs, like, volume shooting. So it, it, I don't know. It's
0: hard, but on the flip side, I, I I watched the Philly game last night, and you've got Joel Embiid who had 45 mm-hmm. points and 15 rebounds, great. and you're like, how much? How much does he need? You know, like yeah. may, you don't maybe need that if you just if you just had Jimmy Butler right now instead of Tobias Harris, would you That's, guys? Dude. Would you guys be the the best team in the league? You know.
1: Dude, don't get me started. I was so pissed. We let Jimmy. We just let. We traded like, we traded like some foundational pieces to get Jimmy Butler, and then just like let him walk because he, didn't get, around, he didn't get along with Ben, and he didn't get along with Ben because he called Ben soft. It's like, guess what? He was fucking right. Ben is soft. So, oh my gosh. But you're right. I mean, you made an interesting point that like we might not need that much. But so my, so I personally would like. So the rumor is that Blazers offered CJ McCollum and like a first and mm-hmm. a pick swap for for ben and we said no and we asked for three firsts and three swaps so if they were to come back and be like cj two firsts. and like two two firsts <laughs> i would just be like call it in like yeah. let's do it like we have we're we can't waste this Embiid's prime like this you know you never know when that guy's gonna fall or something and it's like leg snaps he just that dude falls more than anything. I know. I've lost years of my fucking life, <laughs> like watching him fall and be like, ooh, like being at games. Cause I go to a lot of games and you just like, he would just hit the. I was at one of his like first 10 game- games yeah. when he ever played. And by the way, he was like immediately, immediately, you're like, oh, that guy's gonna be like a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like right off the bat. It wasn't like, oh, he's working his way into it. Like he was like, he was like, didn't have his wind. He was clearly didn't know where to go. And it was just so obvious how good he was right off the bat, but he was just like diving out of bounds. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. So anyway, um, this, is, Derek, so this need- is
0: me watching Derek Rose play like 10 years ago. I'm like, every time he drove the lane, I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to blow his knee out. He just moves too fast for, for a human. Was this before he blew his knee, knee out? Yeah, this is before. Cause he always did those like drives like so yeah. fast. And then he would like, move laterally like yeah. explode laterally i'm I'm like that that can't be good yep. for your knees and sure enough no. it was it was yeah. one of those things but it was so much fun to watch and you're right you just have to yeah. you have to do everything you can to just go for it while you've got that guy because they're just yeah. like supernovas and it and it won't yep. it won't last i mean it, no. it rarely does
1: yeah so we have ben simmons who isn't playing so like in a way it would almost be like just pure addition Mm -hmm. if we were to get a guy like cj it's like it's not like we're losing a guy who's contributing we're trading a guy who's just hanging out in his mansion um so i I would totally pull the trigger on that or i've heard like buddy healed and you know either halliburton or darren fox yeah i don't know if that
0: i don't know i would love that I I, I the only thing that would scare me is that like, I ide- like how, what's the identity. I don't know the Sixers well enough. Like what's the identity of the team? You know, like the the Lakers kind of played around with this. Like they won the championship. Their identity is defense. Like they're tough as nails, mm-hmm. defensive team. They win the championship with that. They mess around with that a little bit with, you know, bringing in Westbrook yeah. and shipping out Caruso who I love on the bulls. And, and, you know, it changes that kind of foundation to it. And now maybe they find it again, but maybe, maybe they don't now.
1: No, they're fucked. I mean, the Lakers are <laughs> real, real bad. I mean, I've watched some Lakers, and I was did like, go, "This did, is." Cr-.
0: You were in LA. Did you get to go to try to go Lakers game or anything?
1: No, no, we thought about it actually. Well, no, yeah, I mean that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Just like the COVID bubble thing yeah, for yeah, us it's is 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 intense. Um, but it's actually shitty. We got asked to ring the bell before a Sixers game. It's just like a dream of mine, Yeah, you know, because like the the, the pre-show or, you know, thing or the pre-game thing for the Sixers is like this really dramatic thing and they roll out this like Liberty Bell um, and it's just, it's just an awesome moment. I was there when like Meek Mill (laughs) rang the bell. He had just gotten straight out of jail and came straight to the game. (laughs) He didn't go home. He just got out of prison (laughs) and just came straight to the game and then he rang the bell and the place was like, like, so uh, so loud anyway, but we got asked to do that. It's like, it's tough. Um, you know, I don't want to belabor the whole COVID thing, but yeah. we, it's just, it's just tough. Cause like if, if one of us gets sick and then we have to cancel shows, it's just, mm. it's just like a financial, um, you know, wormhole, but, um, but the Lakers are, are real bad. Mm. I don't think there's any chance they win the unless they, I mean I guess you have Anthony Davis and LeBron there's, a, there's always a chance
0: yeah. you get in the, you get in the playoffs Yeah somebody guys, gets hurt but... you never know like the I mean yeah. Phoenix did not expect to be in the finals last year and totally. ended up there so it, it happens yeah. and I feel like the West the West is pretty pretty open like I I know that mm-hmm. everybody right now would, would say Phoenix and the Warriors but I don't you know I don't feel yeah. like they're un, unbeatable they look great right no. now but I mean at the beginning of the season the Warriors probably weren't even thought of to be in. They're no, like yeah. maybe a playoff team, and they're just playing great. So who who knows? Yeah. Some of that stuff is a little bit dicey. And one Curry ankle roll, and they're yeah. they're a different team. So you you're always got a shot if you're in there.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a cool era we're in right now, where like you know the LeBron Warriors era. It was so inevitable mm. for years yeah. there. Like it was really sort of like it really diminished the regular season and it actually even diminished like the first few rounds of the playoffs. Cause we all just knew that the warriors were going to roll mm-hmm. and maybe LeBron could, you know, and we, all, it was just sort of like this feeling of inevitability. And I would say probably like the bucks mm. have to be given the like championship belt as like probably the team favored to win. Yeah. Um, but in no way I would, am I expecting them to roll? you know, there's like probably five. And actually the bulls are awesome. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I Um, didn't have to bring it up. I'm really excited about them as a bulls fan.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think my, at first this season, I was like, wow, this seems really fun. And like recently I've been like, shit, these guys are like actually really good. I mean, I don't know if I would use the term contender yet, but (sighs) stranger things have happened and
0: I don't know. DeRozan looks awesome. Everyone yeah. poo-pooed that uh, that signing, yeah. but I, I, again, as a team that's been in the wilderness for a while, I'm like, who ca- who ca- ever? This is the flip side of the fandom. Is like that you get too into like what's the cap number or are they over the cap or your team yep. overpay? I don't overpay like yep. bring in Damian Lillard and Tobias Harris and Joel. I don't care what the, yeah. what the cap number is. Go bankrupt as an owner. If I can win a championship, yeah, it's not your money. It's not some, my money. It's, I don't,
1: it's I, some really rich guy's that's money. That's right. Yeah, no. yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm super excited about watching him play. He's been a blast to watch. No, I mean, It's kind of a
1: cool identity. I mean, your three best players are all guys who've been kind of scorned. Mm -hmm. You know, Levine has definitely been like, oh, he's good. He's kind of empty stats. Um, Can't defend. Then in the Olympics, he was fucking amazing. Yeah, Great. And I I couldn't believe that his defense was like – Kind of the opposite of Lillard. Yeah, it was weird. All of a sudden I was like, oh, he can defend. Mm -hmm. And then Lonzo, you know, was almost like labeled a bust. Mm Mm-hmm. Coming in, maybe not a bust, but certainly a disappointment. Um, He was sort of just thrown into that Anthony Davis trade, Um, and then DeMar DeRozan, who was just sort of like secondhand news, secondhand Kawhi. You know, so you have these three guys kind of coming together, and they play so well together. Seems really selfless. So, um, I'm definitely they're probably like my third favorite team right now.
0: Is is Lavar Ball a modern day folk hero? He's got uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone crapped all over him, and then yeah. he's got a kid that's a number one pick, a kid that's a number yeah. two pick. They're both awesome. He, yeah. you know, like I don't know, like I think he, he didn't. Yeah. I, I think he doesn't get enough credit. Everyone's like he's yeah. he's kind of a hot take master, but that seems kind of like the era too. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm re, yeah, I'm I mean, rethinking my takes on him.
1: Yeah, you have to give him, I guess, some credit um for, for getting two out of three and who knows maybe leangelo or whatever is on is gonna get make a team one of these days but i'm kind of just glad that i don't that he's not really i mean is he around do we see him still i feel like i yeah. haven't heard him or seen him in a while and that's kind of nice
0: yeah I think maybe I he did I'm his like, job. I think he maybe maybe right. he didn't even realize how successful he was going to be. He's like, "Wow, I did way better than I thought." I didn't need yeah, to, wow, I need to stop talking. Stop talking now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I wasn't being serious. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, they actually are good. Uh, yeah, Lamelo is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're fun. But yeah, Bulls. You must be excited, man. It's it's a fun. I have some Bulls fans friends and I remember this season I was or this off season. I was like I don't know like Vucevic I'm not like a big Vuce fan yeah. um, um not that I don't I don't think he's necessarily bad but I've just I'm like is he a, what what is this guy like what is, is he what does he do for winning I'm not sure but he's been good and like seems seems like his most
0: importantly seems like his like ethos fits in where he's like not he's not like hey I need more exactly touches. yeah he's not the white Howarding everybody he's like all right I'm yeah. cool being third banana
1: yeah, and he can he can hit a 3 so he can like stretch it out. Mm-hmm. Just be a stretch 5 a little bit. So, you know, you probably I feel like you might have a trade or two to make just to like around the edges. Yeah. Get some depth, you know.
0: I'm willing to give up Patrick but. Williams if uh someone's someone's out there listening. I don't know who they would get, get oh, wow. for. I him. love that. I do I too, but like again, I'm I'm all in. If you got a shot at a championship, I sure. I recognize yep. like who who's out there. Yep. Maybe maybe they 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 jump in later for CJ if the warrior if the if Philly's not willing to, maybe they're just like, you know what? We're going yeah. we're going for it. Hey.
1: If you guys could have Ben Simmons, what yeah, if you had a guy oh, in there who's maybe, super athletic oh. and won't shoot? Well, maybe What's that do
0: for are we, are, <laughs> we've made a deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into music a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about, we're going to start with your EP because I've been listening to you released the first song a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, Real, the The whole we talked hit a little bit on on the pandemic, but I think that it 's an interesting time to make music and it is like a very tranquil i think i don 't know what you feel about it, but very tranquil the first two songs now that i 've heard uh-huh. and it it fits for what I needed during during the pandemic because it just felt like cool. the 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 fire hose of information and trying to sort through everything that was happening was, uh, was intense. And, and so I'm wondering how you were able to maybe filter some of that out to, to, to let that kind of music come out of you. Um,
1: well, in my case, I feel like the music I make is always kind of really tranquil. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, and actually the way I made this record was kind of the same way I made all my records. Cause I'm pretty solitary with the way I make music. Mm-hmm. I will say that like my whole life, all I w- ever wanted was like a studio to myself where I could <laughs> like endlessly craft yeah. music and not be bothered. And now I'm, <laughs> I have that. And I like definitely the pandemic I was like, okay, actually I this really is it. miss making music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I had it and I loved, huh. you know, I I do still love like the feeling of being alone and cooking something up, but Uh the years of it was definitely like, you know, music is communication and -hmm. it's meant to be, it's not something that takes place in a vacuum. Yeah. So I, I actually vowed after I made this LP and this EP um, to, never do this again (laughs) i was like i'm never recording like a whole record on my own so this ep which comes out in a few days actually um it is actually it's kind of weird it's these are the leftover songs from an lp that's coming out next year okay so because because of this crazy reverse
0: almost yeah
1: i did it in reverse and it was kind of weird i don't know if you're aware of like the vinyl backup that's taking place right now I but didn't
0: I didn't know that but it makes sense because everything else is backed up everything out, they're, yeah, probably, supply they're supply. probably actually done they're just on a ship somewhere on, on yeah, the port of Los Angeles ship,
1: just, yeah. yeah just doing circles yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. so they're like I finished my LP in like April right before my son was born huh. and I was really stoked I took it took me years to make it and I was really proud of it and I sent it to the label and they were like cool this is great we love it we're, we're putting in the test pressing you know, it'll be out next year, next summer. And I was like, "What? That's next summer? Wow! <laughs> like, like 15 months from now? Crazy!" And I, I was like, so pissed. And they're like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, there's nothing we can do." And I started researching it. It's like, yeah, this is like a thing. This vinyl backup. So, but I had all these extra songs, and I was just like, I really want to put something out. I yeah. just felt I just need it for my own like sanity. I just worked for years. Yeah, I can't sit on this for. For a year and a half, I can't do it. So I had to. So he's like, "Yeah, we can put something out digitally." Mm-hmm. And so I just like threw the rest of the songs together. And actually, the song you were talking about, the first single that came out, him, yeah, give us a, me, give us like, a I name. Just, yeah,
0: give us a name for. And and by the way, Dave records under the uh, uh, name Nightland. So if you if you're looking it up on iTunes or yep. or whatever, uh, that's how you can find it
1: yeah so the first track that we released was called him to me it's a cover song by this band brinsley schwartz which is nick lowe's Hmm. uh first band um it's like pretty it's sort of a deep cut like i don't think it's on spotify the original is not on spotify Hmm. my version is on spotify but the brinsley schwartz version is not i think you can find it on youtube um but that's a song that i always i always wanted to, to cover and as i was putting this ep together i was just like I was like, I feel like I need one more song um, just to kind of like, because it's the, the, these are the songs I cut off the LP mainly because yeah. they don't like, they didn't like fit together. They're yeah. like songs I liked, but they didn't really fit. So this is sort of an oddball collection of tunes. And I was just like, I kind of need one song to like, you know, I need like So, a you, so you still I need think a point about guard.
0: it as a, as a you're still thinking about the album as an album because I think that's that's interesting too. Because I just I watched that the did, have you seen the Beatles uh, Get Back documentary oh, yeah. yet? Oh my god! Yes, I mean we, we might need to get into that a little bit uh, too. But yeah. I think it's fascinating to think about like the era we talked about eras of basketball but eras of music because there was this like singles era in music as i kind of think about it and the beatles almost invent this kind of album era where everything mm-hmm. is cohesive and and i don't know it's interesting to hear from you who someone who's living it like if if it's still an album album era or how you contextualize that in in the era that we live in since you can just cherry pick from anything yeah like, I, I don't know <sighs>
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, I need to think of it like albums. Mm. Um, now you raise a good point. Like, I don't know. I think probably the younger generation, um, and you know, you 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 deal with kids yeah. every day. <laughs> I I would be curious whether they consider albums mm. something. I I would imagine most of them don't. Um, <laughs> probably depends on their parents.
0: Cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I suppose. I mean, I guess also like I feel like an album. it it might still be in an album era if the album's good enough. You Mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like just cause, I mean, I'm thinking of like the war on drugs, which I play in, you know, all of our albums, which I'm all, I'm proud of all of them. They all have like, if you look at the play counts on all the tracks Mm. are all sort of similar. So it's pretty clear. People are like putting the record on and just like letting it play through. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I think if you make a really good record, people will listen to it but you know there are so many records coming out now yeah the bar is extremely high um, you and you're competing with so many things you know like there's just so much competition for people's attention so mm. to ask someone to be like hey i made a 13 track record like <laughs> will you sit down and listen to the whole thing it's yeah. like you're asking a lot i mean if you, but you know that's why you try really hard and that's why you spend years on it to try to make it brilliant and complete and cohesive and stuff but yeah i mean you know what what people do with it you don't get any say in that you know
0: so So, back so you're talking about the ep then it's kind of more one-offs but then you feel like the the lp the the album that's going to come out next summer is more you you fit those tracks together yes
1: yeah like for instance the lp i spent a lot of time like sequencing it and i cut tracks off because they just didn't fit so, with this EP, it was actually kind of fun. I didn't, I'm proud of all the songs in the EP, but it's a, it's sort of like an odd, oddball thing. It's a sort of like a little, it's sort of a collection. I did not spend a lot of time sequencing this EP. Huh. It was definitely like, I let the label do it actually. I was like, really? Just do it. I was like, just do it however you want to do it, <laughs> um, which I never would do. It was actually kind of a fun exercise for me yeah. in, in like not being, because I'm very, circumspect with every aspect of record making but this was one time where i was just like we had tight deadlines i was gearing up to do all this war on drugs like tour prep and i just didn't have a lot of time i was just like ah, yeah whatever like do that and we just use one of my photos i take a lot of do a lot of photography stuff mm-hmm. like use one of my photos for the cover it was like boom 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 let's do it so mm-hmm. um, it was kind of nice i think ep has like a it just sounds it's like preseason. It just doesn't sound like a big deal. It's like, yeah, put it in the bench guys, let them yeah. run. Hey, yeah, boy, let them run. The it's fine. Let him run the we got.
0: Bar. Let's see what we got out yeah. of here.
1: <laughs> and it can be great. And you know, I mean, and I think some of the stuff on the EP is like some of the best stuff I've ever done. So there's a lesson in there about like maybe yeah. being looser. So
0: yeah, letting it let letting go, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, re- realizing that people people are going to interpret it for for what they want. You know, you might not yep. might not even realize it. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the war on drugs. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that because I I don't even know where to start here because you guys have had so much coming out. You've got a a new album, an LP that's that's come out. I don't live here anymore, and you play bass in, in the band, and you've been in yep. the band for for a long time. What what's been the experience like? Because I think this uh, for me as a as a fan of, of the band has been uh, again like super exciting because there's so much. It's been a few years since you had an album out, and there's mm-hmm. like live uh, stuff that's been on uh you know Jimmy Kimmel or 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 different uh YouTube platforms you guys have something yeah, that's, yeah. that's live streaming uh I think what tomorrow or the next day that's uh that you guys filmed yeah, o- overseas or something like that. Did you guys film that overseas somewhere?
1: We filmed that no we filmed that in LA. LA okay. Ukra- yeah it was oh, the Ukraine. Ukrainian. Yeah. That's
0: yeah why Ukrainian I'm
1: confused society. Um but that's gonna be really cool. Um I'm very excited for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the experience in the band, you mean overall from in my whole time? I know, I don't know, even, even
0: know where to start. Like, so uh, for people who maybe who, who don't know, since we're kind of crossing, crossing things over here with basketball culture and, and music, um, give us like a maybe like what what's the band? What's the band like or where, how did you get involved with it? And then we'll talk a little bit more about the new new album, since that's maybe the most out there, easiest to access right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um well, Warren Drugs band from Philly. Um we formed in Philly in around 2005-2006. Mm-hmm. I guess 2006. I mean, I uh, have been in the band almost since the beginning. Um Adam uh Granduciel, it, is the lead singer, primary songwriter, and he uh formed the band and we met through we we had like a really shitty job. I we worked <laughs> together. You know, you know how it is when you're like you. You have a really shitty job, and it's yeah. like also maybe the best time of your life. Oh, man, you I, know, you look I back do. when you're like tw- yeah. in your 20s. And yeah. you're not, you don't have everybody's broke, and we definitely were like living this sort of utopian have no money existence in Philly. And the band we have we've had a really unlikely rise because it was like every record we put out, like the first record we put out was like well-received by a few people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and we would tour a little bit and we we're playing very small shows. People would always come to the shows, but not very many, um, you know, bars, essentially small clubs. And then we put out another record and things started building and every record hmm. has been like a little bit bigger than the last, I guess. So, you know, now we're like doing well as a band and mm-hmm. we're all in our forties. So <laughs> it's strange. Yeah. yeah. It, it's strange to be like, Kind of having our moment now, yeah. and the band has been around for over fifteen years, <laughs> and we're all we all have like kids, and we're old and gri- grizzled.
0: <laughs> talking you know. about talking about the NBA on podcasts, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm essentially like Udonis has them, getting <laughs> yeah, exactly. like yeah, like hey, you made your first All Star team. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like been on the league for fucking eighteen yeah. years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like we're kind of an un. I think if you track our trajectory, it's sort of unusual, but, um, but you yeah, were just ultimately like a group of friends. Uh, we're just all really, really tight for, I mean, that's what happens when you like I've spent more time uh, before the pandemic. I had, had spent more time with my band probably than anybody in my yeah. life. Um, save my parents, including my wife. I mean, now with the pandemic, we could, we're, with years together. I think, Maybe that's maybe it's adding up. (laughs) Maybe that, you know, because like you know how is when you get married and they both work all the time. And I would work by going away for months at a time. So um, but yeah, we're a really tight group of friends. Um Mm. and there's you know, there's a lot of basketball talk. I'm probably the biggest basketball head. Um, but there's also a lot of basketball analogies. I mean, the, the band unit lends itself so well to an analogizing analogizing yeah. with an, an nba team because it's in because it's all about cooperation you yeah. know and how you fit together and um there's, there's a reason the bulls are fit are doing well because those personalities seem to be meshing yeah, you know no so,
0: yeah i had yeah. I, I could i could tell you guys were nba heads i think the first time i realized is that that you had the uh like kind of um uh, uh, satirical nba logo with adam's silhouette rather than yeah. jerry, than jerry west i was like someone in that band yeah. gotta love the nba because that's kind of It was a- actually originally me yeah that t-shirt
1: original design was me <laughs> and and i just remember being like nobody wants a t-shirt with a bass player on it like can we just change that and uh, then they changed it um and then we sold a lot of those I yeah think. i bet um, somewhere i have a picture of patty mills wearing that shirt my
0: drive. Yes. Yes. He would. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the new album. I, I want to know, uh, here it, it sounds a little bit different. You know, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned the band's been around for a while, but I do feel like that this, the sound has evolved. I, I mean, I've seen you guys live several times. so I, I think of you a lot as a, as a live band. I know that Adam writes some of the stuff on his, on his own, but I think it's evolved into, you know, as much of a collaborative process, at least from what I've been reading, uh, as it ever has been. And I'm just wondering it, what your guys inputs were for the new album. I know my wife said <laughs> she gave it a compliment. She said that, uh, it sounded like, uh, if John Hughes were still making movies, it, this is what, uh, might be on the, on, yeah. on his soundtracks, just like so, so much space. But, uh, you know, the, the words are more forward to now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love the new record. I'm very proud of it. Um, uh, as far as input, um, It's weird. I think I heard it was either – I think it might have been John Oates from Hall & Oates once (laughs) said that he's like – he was like, I'm simultaneously the most underrated and overrated musician because like – because he's like overrated because it's Hall & Oates, like they're equal. But it's also like underrated because people don't really know what he does in the band. Right. he's yeah. just sort of like, what does, what does John Oates do? I don't know. Like he doesn't <laughs> sing, he doesn't sing lead. Yeah. Um. So in a way I feel, I feel like kinship with that statement. Whereas like sometimes I feel like my role in the band is overrated because truly Adam is a total visionary as far as what he wants for everything and every aspect of the recording and live, everything. He's just very, I mean, that's like one of the most attractive things, about like working with him when i first met him is he's just like absolute like tunnel vision on Mm -hmm. what he wants i mean there was no just like i don't know what do you guys want to play like should it sound like this should it sound like it was just like always just like i mean he was just speeding down the metaphorical highway towards (laughs) this dot of light in the distance and if you want to come along and hop in the car cool like Uh you can help you can help You know, fuel up the gas tank when we stop. But like, he knows where he's going and he always has. So, in a way, we're a little overrated because it's like the War on Drugs is a band. And like, we're (laughs) all, it's like, no, no, it's definitely. And he writes the songs completely. I mean, we will help him a little bit. And then Mm -hmm. like, there's been some pretty important like co writing moments, Mm -hmm. but like, it's truly, it is truly his band. Yeah. However, I feel sometimes underrated because like of all the things that we do behind the scenes, you know, to make the gears turn and and how what a group effort it can be to make a record right. and 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 you know how much just how much like of yourself you put into it, like how much I care about you know, I've given like my adult life to this band, wow. you know, completely. I've spent I've spent my the prime of my life, the entirety of the prime of my life pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, like playing Adam songs and and gladly, yeah. you know, like I, I would I have no regrets. Like it's been a worthwhile enterprise. So so if that makes any it's like kind of a long winded way of saying I feel I feel like what we do is sort of incredibly important, but also like don't lose sight of the fact like of who the of who the the prime mover is. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you're you're right on. I know I was thinking about again, it's in on top of mind but the Get Back documentary seeing uh John and Paul literally just potentially replace George Harrison and be like, "Yeah, yeah we'll just get Eric Clapton." Yeah, <laughs> I was we'll just like, "Oh my gosh, they almost just replaced George Harrison in the Beatles." And yeah. then when they were brought in uh the keyboard player, they're like, "Should we add him to the band?" I'm like, "He was almost yeah. in the Beatles, you know?" Yeah. Just yeah. you know, you think about because a band is a lot like, you know, going back to the sports metaphor, you you get that feeling when you're playing music, uh, where you were, there's just that camaraderie and, and it's about the, the, the interplay of the people in the room together and it can just change dynamics so quickly. Uh, I I think that's a great way of of explaining it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that doc so much. I've, I've actually watched a lot of it twice. Um, it really—I mean—that's like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Actually, I'm a huge, huge Beatles fan. Yeah, I wasn't—I don't know if it's because I wasn't paying attention, but I don't think I was prepped. I had watched maybe a trailer for mm-hmm. this, but I think my my like preconception was like, "Hey, here's a some new Beatles footage," and that, and then like I started watching it, and like maybe 45 <laughs> minutes into this, I was like. This is the holy grail. Like, <laughs> this answers so many questions I've had my whole life about yeah. the, the dynamic between these guys, you know, because you listen to the Beatles your whole life and you're like, you know, you start to know who writes what. And obviously, you identify their voices and you even start to identify, like, oh, I think that's Paul drumming, or that sounds like Paul on piano, or that sounds like John playing that lead part. And then you really start to like get into it. And then you watch this doc and it's like, it's all there. Mm. Like, they didn't take George seriously, yeah. you know? Um,
0: they call his song simple of, almost, right?
1: Yeah, they sort of looked down on him. And, you know, part of that is like, well, he hadn't written his masterpieces yet. Yeah. So it's easy for us to like sneer at that. It's like, well, George was, had taken a big, he hadn't written many songs yet. They thought, you know, he hadn't, Done all things must pass. Yet, mm. although he literally literally yeah. plays that song for them, <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> and they I kind know. of blow it off. yeah But but, but they're you know, also
0: they, they're also Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Like yes. so, it's just like yeah, this, oh, this, you know, <laughs> this
1: isn't John Oates we're talking about. Yeah. These are the you know, this is a fucking gods. So, yeah. you know, uh, I think they get a little bit of leeway. And I like oh. to think if like they band had somehow stayed together, George's stature would have risen to be yeah. just about equal with with those guys or maybe they weren't maybe their egos were too big they couldn't let that happen i don't know
0: it's crazy to think about it that that's what was so hard for me is is watching it It just felt like um the a more modern era being able to go behind the scenes because i'm so used to it now even with you guys i wanted to bring up you guys have that the podcast that's super high quality and and
1: new apps dropping soon yeah
0: i know no, no doubt and it is so much fun for your, your favorite bands to be able to see behind the scenes and learn a little bit about how things came together and it feels natural right now, but to go back 50 years and to watch like, you know, them watch writing, get back in front of you. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this, you know, just to, to see that interplay is just, uh, it is, it is incredible. It really feels like almost, almost surreal.
1: Yeah. And you know I, on a flight back from Los Angeles last time I was there like a few weeks ago, I downloaded this Tom Petty documentary, "Running Down the Dream," mm. which is like a, it's like a really one of it was one of my favorite music documentaries. It still is. Mm. It's great. It's long. Goes just goes through all facets of Petty's life and career, and I love it. I've seen it multiple times. But then as soon as I watch "Get Back," that doc feels so passe to me mm. because it's the whole the whole format of like. It's like you're hearing like Dave Grohl say that he loves Tom Petty, yeah. and then hearing like you know like just you don't need that shit. Just mm. you just want to hang out. I don't need anybody telling me that they what how the Beatles influenced them. Nobody. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We've yeah. read all the books. Like just let me be in the room with those
0: guys. Oh, I know. I
1: love that there was never a single narrative, like narration or interview. Yeah, ever. It was just like nine or eight and a half hours of. And I, as soon as I saw, it, I was like, oh, that form of like, like the interview thing seemed passe to me it's instantly. It's almost like it's ironic because it's like fifty years old, right? It's like revolutionary. The Beatles are still somehow <laughs> on the cutting edge. Like you know, two of them are dead, and the fucking other two are in the eighties, <laughs> like, and they're still like just this blowing possible? people out of the water. I know. So um. yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that doc up. It's it's been like a, a hugely uh, important thing, and all my te- I have so many texts conversations going on with like musician friends right now about this doc and all most of them were like dude did you watch this holy shit <laughs> holy fucking shit like does it make you like, does I, it
0: make you want to be more like open and transparent about it or are or, or is it again because like the beatles are such a comparison too, where you're just like i don't even want them mentioned yeah. with me you know and and i get yeah. it but you know they're they're just they're almost out there anyway so it's it's not a bad thing either you know
1: yeah, I mean, do you mean like does it make us yeah, like, want to be more well, if, more like access with cameras and exactly,
0: stuff? Exactly. Yeah. Like the next time yeah. you make an album, would you be like, "Hey, let's just set up cameras see see what happens." Or you're like, "Man, that's crazy. Yeah. That they, that's crazy that they did that." Why why would anyone want to do that?
1: I mean, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's I mean, we do actually have like a videographer, this guy Daniel Fox, who's a, also mm. a big hoops head. Nice. Um and he has been He's like a good friend and he's been traveling with us and coming to our coming around with us for years and videotaping and like we have all we have like thousands of hours of footage that we've never done anything with. Hmm. But it does, I mean, yeah, I mean it's like the Beatles expose themselves. They don't necessarily always come off in a in a good way. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the whole the whole honesty of it, you yeah. know. There's some like ugly moments in there. There's also moments where like they're playing and they sound like a mess, which I was like so happy. Yeah. I'm like, oh these guys are sorta human. Of course, then like the songs like evolve and somehow
0: come together (laughs) (laughs) and they're on the rooftop together. Oh my god.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, oh actually they are gods. Yeah. (laughs) Not they're human, not they're gods. But uh then no, yeah. I mean I think it's I think it's good to document. Hmm. You know, I think we all especially if you have control over it, if you have control of your stuff, Hmm. you know, it's just good to have the footage. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to like record us making a record and then give the footage to someone we don't know.
0: Yeah. Peter and Jackson like, is Dude. available. You'd be
1: willing. Yeah. Peter Jackson, or, you know, <laughs> enough time goes <laughs> yeah. by. And, and I mean, yeah. I certainly wish we had footage of like lost when we recorded lost in dream. Huh. Um, because it's clear that that record means something to some people. Yeah. And that was a time where the band was in a very tense place. Hmm. And we, there was no recording of wow. any kind at huh. that time. Nothing. I don't think there's many photos. It's like, that's a pretty invisible, that's an invisible time. If, huh. cause I've been like documenting the band, as long as I've been in the band, I've take photos, I have hard drives full of photos. If I go back through, there's sort of like a gap during Lost in the dream huh. because it was just like, not a real happy time. Adam was struggling with some stuff and it's just, you don't necessarily want to bust out like the, the yeah. camcorder, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, but like you said, maybe that's, that's part of what uh, was so difficult about it is that they were willing to do that, even though you could tell there was, there was obviously tension there. I mean, Harrison quits the band and it's yeah. not, it had to be, you can, you can feel it in a way it didn't, it didn't seem as dramatic as the, you know, as watching let it be, but you, you still know that if you're in the band and that happens, you're like, what? you know, they're, they're grappling with it in real time yeah. and you're just like, Oh no, God, for sure you know, what, what do you do? Yep. Well let's wrap up I, don't, I, I I so appreciate all the time that you've given this this evening yeah, but I'll talk a little bit fun. about about playing live because I think that uh live music is such an interesting comparison too. And you guys are uh, a studio band and make incredible studio records, but are an incredible live band too, to go, go see. And like you said, there you recorded uh, uh, some live stuff that you can watch online. If you're still worried about the pandemic Uh, and what's the name I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the, the kind of live concert that you guys are doing. I know it's on dream stage. I think it's the platform. Yeah. It's just
1: called living proof, um, which is one of the tracks on the new record and it's, I'm, I think it's going to be incredible. Um, we, yeah, I mean, we, uh, pride ourselves as a live band for sure. Um, and we've toured a lot and I think we're another interesting thing about our band is that I don't think we were very good live for a while. (laughs) Um, I mean, we had certainly moments in the early days, that I mean, we were kind of a wild band in the beginning. It was very, mm. like, like loud and, and experimental, and we were definitely finding our sea legs in the early days. And it wasn't until we started playing, like, big rooms that everything, like, the big sound that we were making kind of fit in the room, mm. you know? We would, like, play, like, a small bar and have, like, you know, 16 <laughs> amps on stage, and everybody <laughs> in the crowd would be like, Whoa! 32 and pedals. Then, <laughs> yeah, like a million yeah. pedals yeah. and, like then when we started playing bigger rooms like it just all started to click i still remember like the first festival we played and and we like crowd was like stoked and i was like what it was like shocked <laughs> and i was like oh actually our sound works in this scenario Interesting. um and over the years you know we've added band members and then when when lost and dream came out we like really solidified our lineup and yeah i mean we just it's just so different Making a record and then going and playing the record live couldn't be more different experiences. It's very, 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 um, very, very different. I, I've made this metaphor before, but like making a record is kind of like like science, mm-hmm. and then playing the record is like like sex. <laughs> like they're just not just because. Just because it's just <laughs> – the science is just like very like you think about it for, eh, I don't know, and you tweak it and you think about it some more and then you take it and you listen to it and then yeah. a month goes by and you think about it and you do a little overdub. Uh, but then when you go play it live, it's just like, no. Now, you just acting. is. Yeah. You're just like – you have no time to think. It's very like – um, Mistake, you got to
0: move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just
1: – yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you just pretend that didn't happen and move on. Um, no, but it's just very like – it's very like sens- sensual in like a sensory – I mean that in a sensory way. Yeah. And you just like – it's just boom fast and you're just going through it and it's all like adrenaline and emotion. There's a lot mm-hmm. of emotion and stuff happening. So um, they couldn't be more different and mm-hmm. I like them both actually a lot. And I, you know, I guess the most fun thing is you just get to spend a lot of time with your friends, um, and just have the camaraderie. Because I mean, you know, as you, I don't know how old you are. Forty two. Oh, cool. I'm yep. forty one. Yeah. Um, when you get into be our age, like you're the, the kind of friendships you have become kind of fragmented. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, let's have a beer and then you talk for a little bit, and then you see him a week or two or a month or three months later or maybe you're texting but that like friendship you had when you were like 22 or 16 where you're like let's stay up all fucking night mm-hmm. playing mario kart we're going to smoke pot and we're going <laughs> to stay up till the sun comes up and then we're going to go to denny's <laughs> and then we're going to laugh our asses off it's like that like kind yeah. of friendship yeah. that is so pure yeah like that is kind of gone by the time you're our age especially if you have kids i don't know if you have kids yeah Yeah. um but like that's just over you're just like hey let's maybe we'll have (laughs) maybe i'll talk to you for six minutes or something
0: how about dinner next week yeah
1: (laughs) yeah how about dinner and like you know like you might be on your phone half the time i mean everybody
0: the last two years too it feels like just talking to anybody it just feels incredible
1: yeah actually and the pandemic has just heightened this. so like going on tour is really like kind of being 16 again, where you're just mm. like, Hey, let's uh, spend six straight weeks on a bus together. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that's the best part. Amazing.
0: Uh, what, all right. Last, last, last couple here, what tricks do you use? You know, this is getting back to the sports analogy to, to get the energy up or, or bring the focus. Cause I, I can imagine our, you know, I'm projecting onto you guys that they're, they're are off nights, right? You show up in a, in a different city and you, you want to bring that same energy. And I think that's analogous to, to an athlete, you know, bringing it every night. And the best ones are, are figuring out ways to, to show up and continually kind of reinvent a reason to I- I enjoy that, enjoy that moment, that camaraderie on stage.
1: That's a great question. Um, You know, uh some tricks i mean one trick is like don't get too drunk um (laughs) like as you get older yeah yeah like because that's a thing it's really easy you hear that with a lot of
0: bands yeah yeah i, yeah, I mean it.
1: we're all we're like i'm drinking a beer right now yeah. which is ironic but like as a band podcast,
0: we're, get, you can drink it's fine
1: yeah i feel like i guess yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I haven't even had a, a third of this yeah. beer but like we don't drink very much as we or smoke pot or anything we're yeah. like a pretty sober group of dudes now yeah. um and i like it that way and it's been kind of necessary for us to stay as a band mm. and like be professional you start playing bigger shows too it's just like you have to like bring a degree of professionalism and stuff. Yep. Um, so we we don't drink as much. You um, try to stay in good shape. Sometimes if I'm like, oh, I feel dead before I go, I'll sometimes I'll like jog around or do push-ups. Mm. Um, we have we travel with like a record player mm-hmm. in our green room, like a it's like a road case with like a record player nice. and sound system. It's so it's sort of decadent, but it's actually sweet. We'll like pump music backstage. That's cool. We have usually a jam rig with us backstage, like drums and bass and some amps, just so we can jam backstage. And but if I'm on stage and I'm not, I mean, usually you don't need it. If you get out there and the crowd is yeah. it happening, you're good. Like they give you the energy. But if you get out there and the crowd is like, you see like someone yawning or something, mm-hmm. which is like that's the worst. Um, <laughs> you it doesn't happen often, but it, it's been known to happen. Yeah. Um, I. Usually, I'll just like close my eyes and yeah. just just like focus on what you're hearing and not what you're seeing, or not trying to think about someone looking at you. Because it's really sometimes you step on stage, you're just like, holy shit, all these people looking at me. Right. Um, so you just close your eyes and just try to focus on the sounds and the music, and and just get, try to lose yourself a little bit in there.
0: That's 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 great. I I love hearing that and I think that even even at a concert, I mean one of the one of the ways to really connect with the band and even the people in the crowd is to just close your eyes and just kind of feel that kind of oneness. There's not a lot of places that you can be in this world where you can uh you yeah. know all have the same almost the same experience at the same that's time. That's a good point. Yeah. Um so that that's that's awesome to know that that's the same on the stage as it is in the crowd. Yeah.
1: For sure. I mean, and there's different philosophies on this. I know people who are wonderful performers who are, like, they're, like, you need to fucking connect with the crowd and, like, fire them up and, like, <laughs> you know, that and, like, somehow, like, forcibly connect with them yeah. through, like, there's all sorts of stage theatrics and, yeah. like, crowd interaction techniques, and we're not like that. I'm more – I think we're more of the philosophy of, like, if you occupy a world on stage that looks um, – Uh, Compelling. you want to invite people into your world instead of like trying to go into their world and like grab them and like smack them around and get them to like pay attention to you. (laughs) Yeah. It's more just like try to create a Zen place and be like, come into this place, you know, come here. This is fun. We're like meditating. We're listening to music. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, but there are different philosophy, you know, David Lee Roth, just do a split. (laughs) Yeah. Jump into the crowd or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. If you've got if you've got Mick hand. Jagger's hips, you know you got yeah. you got to you got to work those things, right? <laughs> yeah, There's different
1: different ways. We're you know we don't do that, but you know.
0: Well, Dave, I, I just want to thank you again for your time tonight. Yeah, it's uh, been a pleasure, man. If, if you're willing to, we'll have to get you back on after you've got some league pass time on, on the road, uh, maybe towards, yeah. towards the playoffs and, and see what Philly's at. I know we, it probably feels like they're a little out of it right now, but they're only like three games from where the Bulls oh, are they'll at. Be right. So they'll, they'll yeah, be, they'll they'll be, they'll be all, all right after that Ben Simmons trade for, for Damian Lillard. Uh, we'll, well, maybe we'll, like, we'll check back uh, in.
1: Maybe the game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, oh Bulls, Bulls, Sixers, will yes. do a pot or something. That's right.
0: That's right. We didn't even get to co- talk coffee either. We'll, we'll have to get in get into that because yep. you're a big coffee yeah, yeah. coffee head too. To really, for sure, yeah. really uh, put the people to, to sleep talking <laughs> coffee.
1: Yeah. I know, right? We'd lose everybody. We'd save it for the end. That's right. Um, Cool, man. Well, this has been a real pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me on. For Love sure. To do it again.
0: Good luck out, Good luck out on tour too. And uh, we'll be checking in on that live that live concert. I can't wait to see that. Cool, man. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you for listening to the Nineteen Nine podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. Five stars only like the basketball camp. We also have links to all of Nineteen Nine social media so you never miss a release. Until next time.